Hello again, everybody. Uh, this is Mike Lerseth, Assistant Sports Editor of The Chronicle, and we're going to do a little bit something different this week on our podcast for the NFL instead of separate ones with Eric Branch and Matt Kawahara. We're going for a twofer here. So hang on and find out the good, the bad, and the ugly, and there's plenty of ugly through the first four games of the season. All right, welcome back, folks. Mike Lerseth, Assistant Sports Editor of the Chronicle and Editor of our NFL Coverage, sitting here in a chilly room with Eric Branch, our 49ers beat writer, and Matt Kawahara, our Raiders beat writer. And we are amazingly, incredibly, four games into the season. It has been pointed out to me, it is not the quarter poll yet. It is just a quarter of the way through the season. So we will start with Eric. We'll go with seniority here, all right? Uh, one and three, both teams, one and three. I don't think either expected to be one and three at this point. And I know the answer to this. The biggest development for the 49ers through the first four games is, you know, I thought long and hard about this. I knew we were coming in here, uh, you know, as of last night. And so I, I determined that it was probably the franchise quarterback tearing his ACL. That's um, great insight. And, yes, <laughs> yes. Kansas City. That was kind of a downer. Yeah. Uh, for for the season. Um, so yes, you know, it becomes where do they go from here? Can they salvage the season? Um, and I think that I guess the most well beyond the obvious most troubling thing, uh, maybe um, what what is right behind that is that quarterback C.J. Beathard isn't their biggest issue. Um, their defense is a disaster. Uh, and, you know, I'm not sure they have any wide receivers that scare anyone. And their offensive line has been a little leaky. And, I, I mean, the point being um, the 49ers knew they hadn't, you know, finished the rebuild, but they thought with a, a franchise QB in Garoppolo – that could make them playoff contenders. Um, but I think even if Garoppolo had stayed healthy, um, you know, if the rest of the team performed uh, as it has been, uh, you know, this season, I'm, you know, I'm not sure they were going to get to the postseason, uh, you know, with Garoppolo uh, healthy. Right. Uh, same question for you, Matt. Uh, one in three, biggest development, biggest disappointment so far. And will the name Khalil Mack come up? Yeah, that was a that was a fairly significant development when they traded the best player on the team right before the season opener, um, and I think they're as much as they tried to, you know, downplay. I guess it, whatever you can do about that when when that happened after September first, that's it's definitely had an effect on uh, on their defense and on Chicago's defense and. One thing to keep an eye on, like we've mentioned beforehand, is is the way that this plays out the rest of the season is going to affect the returns that the Raiders get for that uh, for that trade with their first round draft pick next um, next year. But in terms of their own team, there were a lot of Mac was one of the only things that you sort of knew what you were going to get coming into the year. There was a lot of uncertainty with all the new players and the new systems and the new coach and. I think the optimist point of view going in was that John Gruden was going to come in and uh, spin some magic and they were going to just be off to the races from the beginning. And we've seen that it, that hasn't happened. There's been growing pains. Um, and maybe that was to be expected. That probably was to be expected with all the new stuff. Uh, but you're, you're seeing them sort of limping from the start here with this and, one and three. And it almost seems like, much to the chagrin, I'm sure, of every member of Raiders Nation, 
that the trade, for lack of a better word, has really pissed off Mac. He seems to be on a one-man mission to prove that this might be might end up being the worst trade, certainly for the Raiders, if not in you know NFL history. I mean, the, the guy's on a historic run with strip sacks and fumbles what, four weeks in a row, I think, now. I'm sure he's a little motivated. I think there was... He played well last year. I mean, obviously, he was he was one of the best players on the field usually last year. But I think there was sort of that uh, that feeling of why haven't they? You know, how, why haven't we done this contract thing yet? He was, you know, he was waiting for his turn, his, his big deal. And now that he's got it, I think you're just seeing him going out and, and playing in Chicago. On the subject of his turn, uh, we didn't really expect to see much of C.J. Beathard this year the poor guy i you know the guys know what they're getting into when they play the sport obviously um but there's a point at which i almost feel sorry for bethard i can't recall seeing a quarterback take as much punishment as he had and i'm sure he's well aware of this as i'm sure you are he's got 12 games to go is he going to make it through the year Yes, uh, that's um, a subject of today's story, uh, which is fairly relevant. I mean, they could, you know, the 49ers could, you know, salvage a season in some ways with Beathard. Because I, I think, you know, by backup quarterback standards today in the NFL, he, he's above average. But, my goodness, um, he is a human pinata. And, you know, there just comes a point where he's not going to be able to get up that, from, from I, one of these. The, the shot he took... Sunday, when it, I guess there, there was concern that he might not get up. He's flat on his back, and he said he just had the wind knocked out of him, right? Right. I mean, part of his chest may have caved in. Right. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the wind was knocked out of him for sure, uh, among other things. Um, but, yeah, and I'm not even sure that was the worst hit he took. There was a rough – I mean, this wasn't his fault, but uh, Melvin Ingram, it was a roughing the, the passive penalty. It was one of those – the NFL is trying to outlaw where the entire body weight uh, of the defender comes down in the quarterback. And he was basically impaled into the uh, ground. And I was like, okay, well, he certainly has a concussion. Uh, You know, who knows what has happened. And it took him a few seconds, but he dusted himself off uh, and he he did not miss a play. I'm just like, I know I saw this all the time last year, uh, but you know, it it is remarkable. He certainly, you know, has the respect of all his teammates, you know, the offensive linemen in particular, Um, you know, he's basically one of them. Uh, You know, Mike McGlinchey said, you know, he's a tough son of a bitch man. And um, that's all good and well. Uh, And, he threw for 298 yards, and, and so they really need him because plan C uh, is Nick Mullins, and we can uh, d- you know, let people know who that is in just a second, but he's the current <laughs> backup quarterback. Right. And you know, the, right now they're just dealing with so many injuries, so they haven't signed a veteran quarterback and you know, probably the most likely candidate of the group they had for tryouts last week is Tom Savage. And, and but realistically, when you're getting to your third quarterback of the season, it, you know, the season's probably uh, hopeless. Um, so, yes, the, the you know, main mission right now is to try to keep C.J. Beathard upright. But he's got to do, you know, and, and I'll shut up. Kalahar is like, okay, can, can I talk at some point? But, <laughs> I'm uh, just learning over here. So this is... <laughs> But the thing, it's a, it's a catch-22 in that 
the reason he is an above average backup quarterback, or he certainly looked like one Sunday, is because he hangs in the pocket. Anyone that saw uh, Blaine Gabbert throw out Jacksonville in his time with the 49ers, that was one of the reasons why, as a number 10 pick, he never fully developed. It takes a lot of courage to be able to stand in the pocket and, and still throw the ball under pressure. Now, Beathard has it, and that is perhaps his best quality, uh, but it, you know, almost certainly will lead to his undoing. So Shanahan has talked about he's just got to find, you know, obviously there's only so much you can do, but he does have to realize when a play is hopeless and just get rid of the ball. Right. You know, not every play can be salvaged. Do they play the the Bears this year? Uh, Yes, they do (laughs) play the Bears. So if C.J. Bears have a pretty uh good guy. (laughs) If C.J. Beathard is upright by that that time, uh, you know, maybe that's his undoing. but, you know, you do, uh, you know, you certainly admire his courage and his grit. And, you know, the fact is, you know, on Sunday, you know, that was kind of the story of his rookie year. Gee, look how courageous he is, uh, you know, but he, he wasn't all that effective. He was pretty dang good, actually, Sunday. So we'll see. So let Matt, we'll bring you back into the conversation here. Um, I heard something I wasn't sure I would hear the Raiders game. Derek Carr was being booed. Uh, he ended up statistically having a great game. The the touchdown pass to to get him within two, then the conversion pass to to Jordy, it's fantastic. He had huge numbers, but uh, all is not right in uh, in Carr's land. It seems like uh, wh- what have you seen that uh, is a little bit different? Is, is, can it all be traced back to the injury in, a couple years ago? Um, I don't know about that necessarily. It was a kind of a an interesting progression i guess during that browns game because i mean he's still a fan favorite he's a franchise quarterback so in when they did the uh introductions before the game and all the players uh, offensive players ran through the line he got the loudest cheer of anybody um marshawn lynch was up there too but then yeah uh, two hours later in the third quarter he's coming off the field to booze um and there were significant booze and it was like after every play every throw that he made he was just getting you know picked apart and it, it looked like you know, there were times there where the, when the offense falls out of rhythm, he's making some throws that are either you know off a, a weird foot or just nowhere near his intended receiver. And when the offense is not clicking, it looks real bad. Yeah. But then um, they locked it back in at the end of the game. And when the offense is moving, they're they're looking good. And they actually, I'm pretty sure the Raiders have the second best offense in terms of total yards through through four games. So they are doing some things right. And uh, like you said, Carr has made some some really good throws. Um, there was the I'm going back to the Denver game. There was the 19, I think it was a 19 yard touchdown to Seth Roberts, where he just stepped right into it and fired a dart just right across the middle of the field through this tiny window. Two defenders converging, and he can still do that. And you see that every once in a while. And then there are throws like the the one in early in the game uh, against the Browns, where he's got Jordy Nelson breaking free down the middle of the field. He floats this little I don't know feather type thing up in the middle and hits Jordy Nelson in the back of the foot. In the back of the foot, right, yeah, so as he's like, running free into the open. Yeah, so it's, it's. I mean, there hasn't been the the consistency, I guess, you would like to see from, uh, from you know, the guy that's, that's running the offense, but there are flashes, and I think he is still getting a little bit comfortable with what he's supposed to do in terms of taking chances, taking shots, creating plays, that kind of thing, but... You know, there's what, there. what do they need to turn this around? They they avoided, and I I know Cleveland is an improved team, but let's face it, zero and four and losing at home to the Browns would have been horrific. Wouldn't uh, have been good. It would not have been good at all. There would have been no bright side. One and three, 
for now anyway, stabilized. What do you see that they have to do to turn this around? To pot- I mean, there's obviously still a chance for a winning record, and you can yeah, compete. But they, I mean, they could be 0-4. They could be 3-1. and If they right. had closed out those two games on the road, they could be 3-1 and right now. Um, they One thing that they definitely need to do, and Gruden mentioned this uh, yesterday, and it was the topic of our story, was they need to their defense needs to stop giving up big plays. I mean, they there were... I think uh, four plays of 40-plus yards in the Browns game. Three of them were touchdowns. Nick Chubb, the Browns rookie running back, had three carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns. Right. And Gruden was it's like, a pretty good I, average, yeah, 35 yards a carry. I've never seen that before in my life. So, um, I saw Pop Warner, actually. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. those were yeah. Eric's stats. The yeah. actual yeah. Pop Warner or in a Pop Warner <laughs> league? The actual aside, I once, uh, my team played against Napoleon Kaufman. He, he, he grew yeah. up in Lompoc, and I'm, he may have had three carries for like 179 yards. Uh, but anyway, this again was um, Santa Barbara Pop Warner. Mm-hmm. But that's just I, – I, Were you sorry, playing or covering it? Competition. Uh, unfortunately, I was playing. You were I playing was it. not catching up to Napoleon Coffin. No. <laughs> what position were you? <laughs> I was a wide receiver uh, okay. at, at the time. But I do remember – and then, Matt, I apologize. This uh, is a lot uh, more actually <laughs> interesting to me, so please go on. But we didn't know – you know, this was not – I don't know in Pop Warner these days if they, you know – scout the other team you know with what with the internet and all but this was you know well before that time so all our coach would say before we played Lompoc that week was you know they have a very fast player and so when we kick the ball off or punt the ball you know we're going to just kick it out of bounds and I remember specifically we had the opening kickoff and we kicked it and whoever was our kicker was not me I uh, kicked it right to the boy coffin ran it you know, <laughs> Back for a touchdown. I just uh, remember our coach going ballistic. What are we talking about all week? Don't right. kick it down. The game plan is out the window as soon as the first play happens, right? I, and I enjoy the fact, I like the fact that you said you were a wide receiver. Therefore, him running for the 179 yards was in no way your fault. Well, I, I think I was Or were you doubling yeah. as a DB as well? I think I was a, a DB. I, I mean, I was, I was no star. So they weren't relying on me to stop Napoleon Kaufman, and I, I certainly did not. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, and that connects to the Raiders. What with Napoleon Cobb, and right? he's, he's still around, right? He's in. Uh, is he at Bishop O'Dowd? He's the coach, I believe, at uh, at Bishop O'Dowd High School. Uh, now back to the, now. Now we interrupt the regular broadcasting, right? With the, back to the NFL. Um, enough doom and gloom because there's plenty to go around. Through four games, the brightest spot of the 49ers, you would say, is what? <laughs> well, or is there one? <laughs> caught me off guard there. Um, no, well, certainly Matt Breida. Uh, you know, he's been among the the rushing leaders. I mean, this is a guy who came into the league undrafted last year from Georgia Th- Southern, um, and he didn't exactly have a, a great final season in college. So, um, you know, for him to be able to to step up and and have I think six runs of over twenty yards, which leads the NFL. Um, through the first four games, you know, what with the loss of Jarek McKinnon, uh, when that, you know, running back situation looked pretty bleak. So he, he's done more than stabilize that. Um, and he's going to have to uh, just because, you know, 
the Chargers were not scared of C.J. Beathard's arm, so they really stacked the box, and, and that's why Shanahan said they, they ran fairly infrequently. Um, but uh, you know, Breida's going to have to continue that and, and show he's not just some sort of uh, you know flash in the pan. Um, geez, beyond that, as far as bright spots, you know, players that you know, I think McGlinchey. That you know, you look at the first round pick. Well, how's the first round pick doing? I mean, he's been thrown in. And how about Mr. Kittle? Uh, well, okay. Well, yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> we we're going to get to him. Okay. Uh, All thank right. you for jogging my memory, though, because he certainly is a bright spot. But I, I would say McGlinchey has done, you know, particularly well in run blocking. He's he had a few leaks in, in um, pass protection, but for a guy to be on the outside, um, you know, in, in his first season, he's done well. That looks like a, you know, a good first round pick. You could argue, hey. What about Derwin James? He looks pretty good, you know, for the Chargers, but whatever. Um, and then, yes, thank you, Mike, because I, I may have been forgetting George Kittle, but he looks like, um, you know, he has the makings of being, you know, a top-flight tight end. Uh, what was particularly impressive about his 82-yard touchdown, which was the longest by a t- uh, tight end in franchise history uh, on Sunday, was that he got the ball in midfield and – uh, I'm blanking on the name of the uh, Chargers' uh, safety, but the Chargers' safety had an angle on him. And it's like, okay, well, he's going to get tackled, yeah, maybe 25. Well, <laughs> the Chargers' safety never really got in the zip code. And, um, you know, Kittle, you know, pretty easily uh, was able to sprint to the end zone. So he has a, a, a lot of, uh, you know, speed, and he's a big guy. Uh, the thing with him last year was he was kind of banged up. He only missed one game, but he, he really wasn't fully healthy. And so now we're seeing what he can do uh, when he's fully healthy. And, and uh, yeah, he's a, he's a guy you certainly have to account for. D- does he become more valuable or important because they are going to a backup quarterback? Is he a, a reliable where you don't have to wait for a play to develop downfield? Where you can actually turn to your tight end, who's maybe five, six yards downfield, and go to him. Well, yeah, and then there's certainly, I think, something to their chemistry because Bethard and uh, Kittle were played together at Iowa, and you know, this summer uh, they worked out together in Tennessee, where where Bethard is from. Um, so there's a, a comfort level and familiarity, and then you know, just the fact that Kittle. You know, it helps when you know, Kittle's a guy getting open. I mean, if Kittle couldn't play, you know, I'm not sure we have the same chemistry. Right. right. Um, but, yeah, I, I would imagine that that's going to uh, be continuing. Okay. Matt, same question for you about the Raiders. Uh, aside from uh, a 1-3 and three start, possible 0-4 if they lost to the Browns, Carr getting booed, Gruden needing four games to win his first game despite all that money he's being paid. The bright spot for the Raiders has been? Yeah, well, I don't want to, like – go through the same series of like positions that Eric just did, but it oh, was... I thought you were going to talk about Napoleon Kaufman. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the brightest spot has been new wide receiver Eric Branch. The, um, <laughs> no, but in terms of uh, just like positionally, Marshawn Lynch has been a real bright spot. Um, this is a 32-year-old guy who looks like he's... I mean, he's running hard. Yeah. If you saw him in the Browns game, yes. he's like he's fighting off tackles, shed tackles. He... I, I'm going to try to look into this a little more this week just in terms of asking guys what it is exactly about his running style that allows him to you know, stay on his feet so well. It just seems like he's so balanced, even if his body is controlled, like turning in different ways. How tall ways. is he? Is he about 5'10", 5'11"? I would, yeah, that's probably about right, but, you know, stocky. Yeah, no, um, he built like a fire plug. Yeah, um, but 
Yeah, it's just somehow he, he manages to keep his feet under him and moving, and his, his, it seems like he's always centered, even if he's um, not you know facing dir- uh, directly straight. And there was the one play where it got whistled dead uh, down the sideline, where he was, I mean, he was breaking a tackle when the whistle came, and he was going to be gone down the sideline. Yeah, well, had, and in the preseason, the first time he touched the ball, he was gone, 60 right? yards for a touchdown. It got yeah, called back got for back a holding Colton, penalty. Colton Miller. Yeah. yeah, and he showed, I mean, he beat a safety down for, for the last 20 yards. The guy had no chance in catching him. He's, I mean, he's looked really good. Uh, 130-yard game, is that right? Yeah, 130. 130 on 20 carries, I think yeah. it was. And he could have, I mean, he could have had 180, 190 if that play doesn't get whistled right. dead. So that's been a definite bright spot, and I think um, – the running game overall was maybe a little slow getting going, but I think that could open up a little bit more. Um, and then the rookie tackle, uh, their first round pick, Colton Miller, who was uh, that pick was widely questioned when they made it. Um, but he's looked pretty good through the first four games. So both teams nailed it on their first round pick of tackles. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, like Eric said, there there were some defensive players out there who probably could have helped uh, both teams, especially the Raiders. But they have needed they they drafted two tackles two offensive tackles in the first three rounds and they've needed both of them uh miller has been their starting left tackle since week one um donald penn got hurt in this last year he had a concussion in week three and then he hurt his leg in week uh in on sunday against the browns brandon parker their third round pick came in and he uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see this week if penn is questionable or if he can't go if Parker can maybe make a case to just take over this job. I mean, yeah. Gruden said yesterday that he's pushing everybody to play. Um, and with, you know, Penn on the, the downslope of his, you know, career late, late in, uh, late in his years, they're looking at this guy to, to be a player going okay. forward. So final question here for both of you. I give you each a shot, look into your crystal ball and tell me where this season goes. Um, was the Owen three a fluke? Uh, should we expect more 45 42 games uh where do we go from uh, from one and three with 12 games left with the raiders yeah i think they're actually entering despite the, the having some rough travel at the beginning of the season they're entering a stretch of their their schedule where there are some winnable games here and uh if they can fix some of those issues like the uh like the big plays and short some of the things on defense um they could probably come out of this next uh, stretch, at least, you know, get back to 500, maybe climb a little bit over. Um, they don't see the Chiefs until December when they play them twice. That's going to be pretty rough, as you've seen. Right. But, um, but yeah, if they can, you know, they have the Chargers this weekend. If they can go down and win a divisional game and maybe set up uh, a little bit of a run, um, they can, you know, get themselves back at least into, into the discussion. Um, so I think that's what they're looking at. Same question for you, Eric. I think it'd be a little bit overly optimistic to assume that the Niners can do anything to get themselves uh, into contention, but uh, but how do you see the last twelve uh, unfolding as we move along? I've still got my pom poms, thirteen oh. and three. Okay, no, uh, <laughs> I know, uh, they're going to go ten and three <laughs> yeah. in the final twelve games. That that could be good. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, the record of thirteen and three. Oh, That's thirteen and three. I'm yeah, sorry, my yeah. problem, my bad. No, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, run the table. <laughs> exactly. Um, doesn't look great. Uh, I was maybe six and ten. I mean, I think if Beathard, you know, as mentioned, can stay healthy, he can he can win some games. They can win games with C.J. Beathard, um, and you know, similarly, their their schedule does lighten up. Not immediately. They do get to uh, host Arizona, then at Green Bay, then home against the Rams. So, 
that looks like a lot like two and five. Yeah. Um, I'm giving them the one over Arizona, uh, not at Green Bay or no, the Rams. No. Um, Rams host, look like hosting the Raiders. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I can't wait that. It's going to be a real yeah. barn burner. The, the world's going to be watching. Um, <laughs> it's going to be exciting. That'll prime. be the only game of the night, so they have to watch. <laughs> right, yeah. Prime time affair. If CJ Beathard goes down in that game, if he's like being hounded by the Raiders pass rush, <laughs> right. then <laughs> the Niners have some problems. <laughs> That's a problem. Well, then the world get to see Nick Mullins, maybe. That would be, that would be awesome. Something we can all look forward to. <laughs> All right. With that, I'm going to bring this uh, episode to an end. This can I a, ask one yes, quick question? Yes, you may. Absolutely. Oh, yes. I w- I'd like to know if Eric Branch was the uh, the downfield threat on his Pop Warner team or the possession receiver. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a. I'm. A lot of people are saying thank you for answering asking the question. Were, were you? We were, yeah, yeah, we were coming was, back to that. Marquise Goodwin <laughs> or Jordy Nelson? Which were you? I, I was your classic uh, white possession uh, receiver. <laughs> Uh, can I say that? Uh, you just did, so yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, Wes Welker very, Branch. Very, uh, very. Um, you know, uh, I was going to say good hands. That actually wasn't true. <laughs> I occasionally caught the ball when it was thrown at yeah. me um, and ran mediocre routes. Uh, I got into baseball later. Uh, so, the wise career move. Yeah. And, it, uh, and then into writing about other people yeah, playing sports. Exactly. So, there you go. <laughs> Early in my baseball career, I realized, you know what? We're going to be writing about these things. All right. So for three guys who realized early in their lives they were not going to be athletes but chose to cover athletes, I want to thank you for listening. Combo episode of uh, Niners Notebook and Raiders Wrap. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. I'd like to thank Eric Branch, Matt Kawahara, uh, Fernando Diaz for mixing, and for you to listening, for listening. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.